Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're back, and it's time for our Blanks and Doubles special. Accordingly, we'll be dispensing with the usual frivolities and getting straight down to business this week in a podcast designed to help you, whatever your situation, navigate the upcoming period, the most exciting time in FPL for us managers. Today, Nick's obviously here, but more than that, it's the godfather of the blanks and doubles and Mr. Ben Crellin who joins us today. How are you, Ben? I'm doing all right. It's been a busy weekend, but I feel fine and uh, ready to get stuck into the chip strategies. Welcome, Ben. Really excited to have you on again on the pod. Um, can't believe it's already uh, blanks and doubles season. There's a lot to talk about, but just to say quickly, of course, that we are Who Got the Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL, and you can use Spotify or SoundCloud or wherever you'd like to listen and subscribe to the pod. So go on then, Tom. What will we be discussing on this blanks and doubles special? So we're focusing on the upcoming extravaganza, meaning we'll skip a few usual aspects of the pod this week, like the features and league updates, to devote as much time as possible to the topic at hand. As such, this week we'll discuss the upcoming events, possible strategy options to tackle the upcoming period, and talk about kind of the cool men um, in the blanks and in the doubles themselves, and also take some kind of thematized questions at the end. So without further ado, let's get into it then. I guess the first thing to talk about is that FA Cup quarterfinal draw, right, Ben? Yeah, because... Um... Will destroying Man United meant that we've already got a confirmed blank in game week 33. Their fixture in game week 33 will be postponed because one of them will reach the FA Cup semi-finals. Uh, we also know now that Man City are very likely to get a blank. They just have to beat Swansea and that would cause Man City versus Cardiff to be postponed in game week 33. We know that either Watford versus Fulham or Newcastle versus Crystal Palace will be a blank depending on who wins the quarterfinal between Watford and Crystal Palace. And then Brighton were drawn to play Millwall away from home. If they win that match, Tottenham versus Brighton will be the other blank in game week 33. Yeah, I think um, the FA Cup quarterfinal draw kind of worked well for people who like a bit of chaos in terms of the fixtures because it means that, like you said, Manchester City most likely have a blank. Man U and Wolves most likely have a blank. And also Brighton and Spurs because Brighton are playing a championship side. They should be able to win that one, you'd, you'd like to think. So they'll probably have a blank as well. And that that's, creates plenty of chaos for those that love chaos. There are plenty of complications and connotations to talk about as well. Yeah, exactly. And I guess that kind of brings us to the fixtures themselves. I mean, we know the game week 31 blanks and what they look like at the moment. 
This basically entails the fact that uh, Brighton versus Cardiff, Man United versus Man City, uh, Tottenham, Crystal Palace, Watford, Southampton and Wolves versus Arsenal are all off. The other side is that we've got five fixtures which are confirmed. Obviously, that leaves five fixtures to be reorganised. And in terms of double game week 35, we know that there's um, we know we've got some blanks from game week 33, which can be reorganised. And I, I guess, Ben, a lot of people have been asking, when do we think we're going to be hearing exactly what those double game week fixtures are going to be confirmed as? Because, I mean, a lot of plans, I guess, seem to be kind of hinging on when's best to be deploying the chips in terms of who has the best fixtures and how they're going to manifest themselves. So we originally thought that game week 31 blanks would be moved to game week 32 and the game week 33 blanks would be moved to game week 35. This is because if a game week 33 blank were to be brought forward to game week 32, it wouldn't give fans much notice. It would only give them like two and a half weeks or two weeks to make travel arrangements, which is a bit unfair. And they can avoid that by just moving the 31 blanks to 32 and the 33 blanks to 35. The fact that Chelsea have been knocked out, they've got this um, this blank versus Brighton hanging over them. Chelsea is still in the Europa League. So it makes sense for Chelsea to maybe move that blank to game week 32. Um, that would solve a problem that could arise later on in the year. Say if Brighton were to reach the FA Cup semi-finals, then there might not be room at all to play Chelsea against Brighton kind of expect most of the game week 31 blanks to be moved to game week 32 but maybe Chelsea Brighton would be the other game in game week 32 that would cause a knock-on effect of Brighton's blank against Cardiff to be moved to a different game week. if they want to announce them early um, they could announce them this week when the April TV fixtures are announced that's just a theory that could happen because if they've already decided the order that they're going to uh, reschedule them then they may as well announce them early but if they're not announced this coming Thursday or Friday, then we can just wait and see what happens. Yeah, because I remember like last year, for example, we kind of had a had a list of teams that did lose the, a, a fixture to a blank. And then there was some kind of putative sort of, we think these may be the doubles that were put out. And then obviously the, the league changed the order of what we were expecting, which meant that I, I remember Arsenal, for example, had a very, very good looking double game week, which then got uh, pulled apart and moved to game to a later game week. So I think it, it, it kind of is worth um, waiting on those really to some extent. I mean, um, I mean, we'll talk about the strategies in just a moment, but it, it definitely seems like uh, we're really hoping for something to happen next kind of Thursday or Friday to really give uh, FPL managers some sort of solidity in what's going to be happening. But interesting to hear, especially with that uh, Brighton and Chelsea game and all the permutations there. I guess overall then, as it stands, that means that there's a blank game week in game week 31, a double game week in game week 32, a blank game week in game week 33, and a double game week in game week 35. I think what's most important this year is the concept of transition management. It's something that you've spoken about a fair bit, Ben. You've been talking about kind of abseiling down valleys and scaling big mountains. I can't remember a year in the past that has required so much planning. It's so important to kind of figure out when we'll be deploying the free hit chip when we'll be deploying the, the wildcard chip. And don't worry if you don't have these, we'll also give you our thoughts on those. But managing those transitions seems to be kind of the crux of what's going to decide whether you're successful or not this uh, during this period, doesn't it? Yeah, it makes it especially tricky because you go blank 31 and immediately double 32 and then back to a blank in 33. There's no single game week to maybe play a wildcard in between in that stretch of fixtures. The two trickiest transitions will probably be blank game week 31 to double game week 32. That's because we're expecting most of those blank fixtures to be moved to 32. So it's player pool what won't overlap at all. And then similarly, from blank game week 33 to double game week 35, 
that will be another tricky transition because all the teams who play twice in game week 35 might have a blank in game week 33. I think this year feels more complicated than it was last year, more complicated than it's ever been before. There isn't an obvious points to wild card. You've got these blanks, you've got these doubles, you've got more blanks, all all hitting each other very fast. And uh, I mean, we've, we've kind of laid out about five or so broad strategies, haven't we, where these are the options that you can follow in terms of navigating the blanks and the doubles. And each of them have their disadvantages. Each of them have their advantages. I think purpose of the pod, we're going to go over all different strategies and kind of discuss them at a high level and, and try and look at the advantages and the disadvantages. So just, just to mention that all of these are very high specific to your own team. Like Nick and I both mentioned how complicated it is and Ben's been losing sleep about how complicated it is by the sounds of it. But just remember that no size fits all and we do our very best to cover everything in as many situations as we can. And we hope you'll find uh, some, uh, some use in something that we say to synthesize your own decision. I think in terms of the strategies, there's two broad churches, aren't there, Ben, which hinge on when you're going to be using your free hit and when you're going to be wild carding. Um, are you basically going to be free hitting into the blank or free hitting into double game week? And when are you going to be wild carding kind of around that? Uh, the first kind of set of strategies we're going to talk about are if you're free hitting into game week 31. Um, there are two ways of doing this, we think. First is if you use your free transfers, the aim of free hitting game week 31 and then wild carding uh, game weeks 33 or 34 after that, set yourself up for. Uh, the 35 double game week or uh, you wildcard pretty soon um, and then you free hit in game week 31 with double game week 32 in mind which means that uh, you'll have to manage your way through uh, blank game week 33 and uh, double game week 35 with the team that you create in double game week 32 and I'm actually looking at that second strategy so wildcarding fairly early. Um, what have you got to say on these particular strategies then Ben about free hitting straight into the blank? There'll be a, a few teams who will as I've mentioned who will play Two fixtures in 32, also have a fixture in 33. It might be three or four or five teams based on the FA Cup quarterfinal draw, but it will be possible to get a strong 11 out in game week 32 and then a decent team in, in game week 32. And then you can wildcard to set up for your, a double game week 35 team. Um, it, it could be an option. But then there's the really aggressive routes that I, I think is like wildcarding before game week 31, then free hitting in game week 31. You could maybe like bench boost in double game week 32 because there's more attractive fixtures then. You could go all out and just try and get a really great team in that week. There are a few kind of key advantages to this. Um, the first thing is you can kind of sack off any compromises you may need to make towards that free hit and getting a free hit team out if you're not um, making the transfers to get that 31 team ready. Uh, so things like having City players um, for the next three game weeks um, after the blank, for example, they've got West Ham at home, Bournemouth away and Watford at home. A lot of people will be uh, looking at those fixtures but thinking there's a blank game week coming up. I'm not too sure I'll be getting them. Whereas you can kind of go for it because you've got that free hit in 31. Um, for me, I've got quite a low team value, so it makes a lot of sense for me to get key players in earlier than other people. I won't be able to wait until game week 34 when a lot of these players are going to be fashionable. They're going to have risen in price. I'm, I'm simply not going to be able to afford them because um, so I sold Mo Salah and I sold Andy Robertson. Um, probably uh, I'm going to uh, like for, so, so for Salah, I paid 13.4 to buy him back. So that's 0.4 that I've lost to people who held him. If I buy Robertson back, which I probably will have to, he's looking pretty essential, isn't he? Uh, I'll have to spend 0.8, 0.9 more than people who held him. So that means that I'm 1.2, 1.3 million down on people who held. Um, that's a lot of flexibility I don't have. So it might mean I have to wildcard a little bit earlier. And as you say, it will be uh, with the thought of bench boosting in a uh, game week 32. 
the key is going to be having a core of uh, single game week players as well. Um, so it'll probably be three Liverpool, maybe one or two Leicester and a few Bournemouth players too, uh, just to make everything kind of work. Because uh, as you just mentioned, Ben, like game week 33, my team, which is going to look quite good in game week 32, is then going to be hit by blank. So if I've got six or seven single game week players, then I can add two, get to about nine, sell our captain for everybody in that week probably negates that risk to some extent still means i'm going to be getting what 23 24 players out if i've got six uh, single game week players and nine double game weekers or seven and eight so it's not too terrible a bench boost it's just trying to figure out once we know the fixtures what's going to happen so initially i said i'm going to wild card in 27 i'm probably going to leave it a little bit longer now just so i can see what the fixtures are so i'm i've got as many facts as i possibly can before a wild card but it's looking like for my team value and my rank the better the best i'm going to be doing yeah, whilst I don't really see this as the best strategy out there and the most optimum strategy, I can definitely see the advantages of perhaps free hitting in that game week 31 and either, you know, taking the wild card early, like you're thinking about doing now, or planning free transfers for that double game week in 32. And I think perhaps it's worth highlighting that, you know, the teams that people are bringing in perhaps for that game week 31 aren't necessarily the best teams, really. The teams with the double are, are the better teams to own at the moment. Manchester City, United, Spurs, whilst you know the likes of Leicester and Bournemouth haven't necessarily actually been in the best of form. I think it's just a case of you know trying to manage the fact that okay, you've got this game week thirty three that's the kind of the looming problem that you're going to have to deal with, and if you've got a few kind of Liverpool players in there, in that case, you've got that advantage of you've got the same captain as everyone in game week thirty three, and you're also going to be maintaining those Manchester City assets, perhaps between twenty seven to thirty one. Whilst because of the blanks in twenty seven and thirty one for Manchester City, a lot of people won't own the likes of Sterling or Guerrero, so you can really use that to your advantage. And if you're chasing like you are, Tom, that's, that's a real advantage to have at this moment in time. I think if people are holding those players, they're going to hold them, but they're probably not going to be transferring them in. I think a lot of people who are using their transfers to get to that point with the idea of free hitting in 32 are having what, nine or 10 players in game week 31, then they'll have their 11 in 33. So it's just kind of, if I'm free hitting in 31, then in 33, I'll have what, nine or 10 players. It kind of evens out and I focus on game week 32 and making that into the best double there can be. I mean, ben, what do you think about all this? Is it really swinging for the fences? Well, I think the main advantage of it is that it allows you to play your bench boost and triple captain within the two attractive double games. It's probably safer to go triple captain in game week 32, just because it's hard to do a bench boost when there's a blank coming straight after it. So it might make more sense if you're using free transfers. You'll only have maybe four or five or six free transfers ahead of game week 32. So maybe set up for a good 11 there, whilst keeping in mind game week 33, wildcard 34, and set up for a bench boost in 35. I think people are overestimating how difficult it will be to prepare for the blanks using free transfers. Part of the logic, by the way, of me saying I'm my triple captain in 35 is that if I'm wildcarding in you know, 28, 29 or 30, I maximise you know, with the six or seven single game weekers, maximise that bench boost in uh, 32. Then I need to focus on getting a good 11 out in 35 rather than focusing on uh, getting a full kind of team sorted out by that point. So let's move on to uh, the free hits 32, free transfers for the blank game weeks in, in 31, and then you'll have that same team for 33. You free hit in 32 for the double, and then after that, you wild card in 34 to enable a brand new team for the 35 double as well. This is actually one that 
I think is perhaps the, the most mainstream of all the strategies and the, the one that I'm planning on adopting myself. The main reason why I'm sort of behind this strategy personally is I should be able to get 11 men out for game week 31 with only a couple of hits and the same teams that play in 31 essentially play in 33 as well. So I've got West Ham players, my Leicester players, Newcastle, Liverpool, for instance, all play in 33. 32 as well, the free hit gives you plenty of flexibility for that double game week where you can load up on the likes of Chelsea and Arsenal uh, because Chelsea have a very strong double game week in 32 but unlikely to have one in 35. You can wildcard in 34 with your bench boost in mind for 35 and you could potentially even load up on 15 double game weekers for that bench boost if you're so inclined. So that gives you a really strong 32 team on your free hit and a really strong double game week 35 team as well where you can use your bench boost. The downside, I guess, of this strategy and the downside for myself personally, because I'm still hanging on to my triple captain chip, is um, when I actually apply that chip, because I won't be able to use it in any of the doubles if I'm free hitting in one and bench boosting in the other. So it could end up being used on a Brighton player just for the lulls if they've got a random double game week or perhaps the Liverpool uh, versus Huddersfield game in 36 um, on Mo Salah, maybe. But we'll have to wait and see on that point. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it is basically, I mean, we spoke about the term dead end last year, didn't we, Ben? And to some extent you are, unless you are going to do that kind of ultra strange strategy of wildcarding for the blanks. Dead ending to 31 is kind of what I'll be looking if I'm free hitting in 31 uh, to be to, to exploit to some extent. Um, but the fact that you guys can wildcard to remove the rubbish ahead of game week 35 and really optimise for that game week with a bench boost, it is quite interesting. I guess you could even triple captain that game week and just kind of have Dross on the bench, I suppose. You know, have your wan Bissaka or something as your first sub and just have 11 ridiculously good players for that game week. Um, so Ben, I think you're thinking that you know that strategy is where you're going to be going and wildcarding in 34. Why is it uh, so good for you? I don't think it's too difficult to plan your transfers. The argument people have been making against this strategy is you'll have to sell some of your players like Man United and Wolves who have risen a lot in value since you bought them. But you can obviously leave players on the bench in game 31. So maybe you might bench Wolves players like Jimenez or Doherty, uh, Pogba, Rashford, you might want to keep depending on when you bought them. So think about who you're going to keep hold of based on the likelihood of them having good double game week fixtures later on, based on how much they've risen. Use this time between now and game week 13 to get rid of your bench for the players. It's just about using your transfers sensibly, hopefully trying to save two free transfers to game week 31. This is probably the strategy that you would be doing if you're in okay to good position uh, overall. Uh, if you're not chasing or if you're kind of uh, just looking to consolidate, I think this is the one to be doing. If you do have a lower team value like me, you've got to be really be thinking, well, can I wait to wildcard in game week 34 when everybody else is going to be wildcarding and everybody else is going to have more more value than you? You're going to end up with a team full of Rikers, like second choice kind of players, aren't you? So maybe it might be worth, worth it wildcarding earlier. And you know, if you are looking to chase as well, the fact that everybody's doing this and you know that everyone that's everyone's tactic means that there are a few points you can attack. So game weeks 28 to 30 uh, are ones that you can attack if people are busy. Uh, planning the transfers in and out. That kind of is how the free hit 31 can potentially fight back against that particular setup. I wouldn't be surprised to see that that kind of setup become kind of a dual one that everyone adopts. 
Yeah, I mean, this is my preferred strategy, but I can see the certain flaws around at the moment, for instance, within my team, I've got Son, Pogba, Rashford, I've got Sterling, Laporte, you know, all these players that don't have a game in 31, I might wildcard them all straight in. It's going to be a case of, you know, hello, goodbye with them. There are problems with the fact that, you know, Pogba, I've got 0.8 million in value. Doherty, I've got 1.0 million. So those are two players that if I want them back in for the doubles, I can't really sell. So you know, trying to navigate Spurs United City's fixtures over the next few game weeks and trying to, you know, fit in those Leicester players, those Bournemouth players. It does sit a bit uncomfortably with me, but I still stand by the strategy because I think there are key advantages and it puts you in the best situation for each game week going forward. Yeah, definitely. I guess, you know, with, if you do have a lot of value stored up, then the wild card really does work to be fixing a hole in, in your team. But I would be worried, for example, about selling Rashford or something if you got on him early. So it does limit kind of the transfers you could possibly make and may limit the number of players you have in that blank in 31, right, Ben? You don't have to try and get 11 players in game 31. You could choose to have nine or 10 players and then have the really, like, the all your Wolves and Man United players kept in your squad. Because there's like not a great player pool available in game week 31, the 10th or 11th player might be differentials, but they might be lower scoring kind of differentials that you kind of don't really need. One advantage of this strategy is pre-hitting in a double game week allows you to pick like the perfect 11 because you can fill your bench with the cheapest possible players. If you select double game week players in your 11, then you know that they're going to get minutes in the double game week. Um, it also means you've got the maximum amount of information because it's the international break just before game week 32. So you can monitor who plays in the international break. You can pick players accordingly. If someone maybe plays two games in the international break, you might be less likely to play both games in a double. So that is one advantage to free hitting. Do either of you buy into this kind of train of thought, which is fairly well established, that if there's a blank player and you're removing him, it's actually a minus two. So if there's two blanks and you're removing them for a hit, then it basically evens out completely. Do you guys think that hits are going to be, be slightly devalued? I definitely think this will be a period where the hit is is devalued. I can, even though it's a certainly a slightly irrational, you know, mindset. It will be a period where you'll see a lot of casual teams taking hits, for instance, to get eleven men for that game week. If you're sitting in a situation perhaps where you haven't really planned for it properly, then why not take a hit? You know, to get it up to ten or eleven, you have to kind of look at this other side of the coin and say, okay, if you're talking about hits to get in Bournemouth defenders, hits to get in Newcastle defenders, I wouldn't recommend that. But if you've got a team, for instance, where you've got several top teams not playing, like Manchester City, Manchester United. Arsenal players all not playing and you're thinking actually I could get Sadio Mane in here or I could get Roberto Firmino in then by all means you know I've always been slightly risk averse but certainly in a game week where it's a choice between having nine men play or taking a hit and having 10 I'd probably take that hit. Yeah, no, that certainly makes sense. And uh, just to mention, by the way, there are obviously quite a few variant strategies out there. For example, you can use free transfers all the way up to manage game week 31, dead end completely, wildcard in game week 32, and use your free hit in blank 33. And you can also do uh, other bits and pieces. And um, I mean, some people are just going to let it be, aren't they? And then at the time starts to take hits. And I guess what you're going to be wanting to do as a manager who, if you're listening to this, you are going to be a manager who's going to be planning, we think, uh, is leveraging uh, that effort you're putting in to really kind of uh, gain advantage over your rival. So I guess between those kind of two dynamics, between free hitting in 31 and free hitting in 32, and that being the pivot of your wild card, it really seems that we've come down on the side of saying, if you are 
perhaps chasing and if you are perhaps trying to make up lost ground maybe exploiting the early period when kind of muddling through the later period with that kind of free hit in 31 may be a way to go whereas if you are looking to consolidate as i mentioned earlier free hit in 32 does seem to be fairly optimal there are a few kind of extra permutations here for a few people if you don't have a wild card ben what would your advice be for Okay, if you don't have a wild card, then it makes sense to concentrate on when you're going to play your free hit chip. Um, so it probably makes sense to either free hit, like we've been talking about, and either game week 31 or game week 32, depending on the state of your team at the minute. If you free hit in game week 32, it'd be really difficult to prepare your team for a bench boost in the subsequent double game week 35. Um, so I probably prefer the free hit in game week 31 approach if you don't have a wild card. Then you'd be either bench boosting or game week, in game week 32 or 35. Um, you might find it difficult in game week 33 to field an 11, but I think I would I prefer the free hit in the 31 option if you don't have a wild card. All right. And if people don't have a free hit? If you don't have your free hit, then you decide when to wild card. And I think you should either wild card in 32, 33, or 34. If you wild card in 32, you'll plan for the blank game week 31 with your free transfers. Then you can wild card to focus on all the double game weeks. You'll struggle then in, in the blank game week 33. You can wildcard in game week 34. Before then, you're planning to have some of the key players in, in double game week 32. You're mostly focusing on the blank game weeks. I might prefer the wildcard in game week 32 approach because then it's like the big junction between the, the blank game week and 31. Then you wildcard to focus on, on the double game weeks coming up. Yeah, indeed. And if I guess if you've used all your chips already, I hope you're in a good position. It's just a case of uh, really altering on the planning and perhaps accepting the fact, uh, based on logic that we mentioned earlier, this is slightly flawed perhaps, that you're going to be taking a few hits and just making a piece of that because that's probably going to be the way you're going to navigate everything going forward. And finally, guys, do we have any learnings, any bits of advice to impart? Over the last couple of years, we've definitely learned a few lessons. I remember, for instance, a couple of years ago, both you and me focused quite heavily on preparing teams for the blanks and involved, I think, a triple West Brom that went particularly badly for yourself, Tom, um, involving a certain Salomon Rondon. Um, And I think it went quite badly for myself as well because I tripled up on West Brom, mostly covering the defence. And I think one of the lessons, I guess, I learned from that was to not get too worked up about the blanks and doubles and trying to get ultimate coverage to the expense of the the better teams in the league. And, you know, for instance, like, you know, saying, okay, I'm going to get in the Bournemouth players, the Newcastle players, the Burnley forwards or whatever just um and you know sell Rashford for instance just to make sure that the team's ready and prepped and you know early planning I I kind of you know learned that lesson to a certain extent thinking actually these players are in my team for a reason I'm I'm not going to necessarily sell them you know I'm going to hang on to my best players and if it means that I'm short in one of the blank game weeks so be it I think the other lesson I learned last year um, involved the double game weeks and my wildcard team where bringing in players that were at the time rotation risks and I think with the doubles you do see a lot of rotation um, during that period and when you look at the likes of Spurs to Manchester City Manchester United all three could conceivably still be in the Champions League Spurs for instance the league might be sewn up they might be out of the title race and not really focusing on the league but instead concentrating all their efforts on the Champions League and you do have to be careful with some of these players that could be deemed rotation risks and um, last year I got punished by William and Son for instance who, who were big fails for me because I brought them in and they consequently didn't play and um, I also brought in players that 
you know, like Wes Morgan, who's who's an example of, um, you know, the, like the West Brom example, a player that was out of form, player that was really bad. But I only brought him in because he had a double game. When he, I think they got tonked 4-0 a couple of times, so didn't even get any points at all. And when I probably should have just stuck with a, a player at a similar price who'd been performing well. And, you know, an example from this year, maybe Wan-Bissaka, for instance. Not worrying too much, I guess, that he's a single game week player. If it's a player who offers value outside of this mad period, maybe just make sure you remember the basics of FPL before you kind of take it too far. I think maybe for me, after captioning Sanchez last year for a majestic uh, two-pointer during the double game week, is to maybe not use your captain as being the main risk, no matter where you are. It's never worth it. If you are going to take a risk, at least as Nick says, grab a player who who's uh, likely to be playing in both games and not on a rotation risk, hoping for some sort of uh, scarcity heuristic led massive bomb up the rank. Ben, what what are your key pieces of advice from the last couple of years worth of experience? Be wary of relying on teams in mid table who have got nothing left to play for in the league and might be more focused on the FA Cup. Say if, if they're still in the FA Cup this year, the same as last year, the uh, FA Cup semi finals. Uh, the weekend after the first big double game week. So like, if a team like Watford or Crystal Palace qualify for the semi-finals, they might be less likely to play a full 11 in their second double game week fixture. Similarly, as we get into the final double game week of the year, even more teams have less to play for. Some fixtures that might appear easy under normal circumstances can be tougher. Like a game against a relegation threatened teams, we know that those kind of teams start performing really well in the last few weeks as they start getting more desperate. The mid-table teams, it's, it's quite hard to predict how they'll play. Sometimes they can go really attacking and forget about defence, or they can just go into the shell a bit. Being aware of what motivations each team has and picking your teams accordingly. All right, so um, that's the strategies then. I guess uh, it, we come together with, with two of them, really. That is looking at you to use your free hit in game week 32, managing your way up to game week 31 with your transfers, and then uh, free hitting in that double game week in 32, and having that 31 team again in 33, wildcarding in 34, and in 35 having the optimal side. If you're chasing like me, it is the case of free hitting in 31, which means that you wildcard a little bit earlier, perhaps, or you manage your way up to game week 32 if you don't want to wildcard early. Try to take advantage of people who are planning their transfers now by playing the game weeks, as it were. Uh, game week 32, play your bench boost, which is what your wildcard is, uh, was kind of building towards, or a triple captain indeed. Game week 33, you sort of try to model through and make sure you've got a base of single game week players within your, uh, within your wildcard, which will mean that you do have less doublers than you otherwise would like. Uh, and then in 35, build your way, probably using a few hits towards a, a fairly serviceable team with full knowledge that people are going to be wildcarding in 34 to build a perfect team in 35. Quite tough, really, isn't it? Hopefully that was vaguely useful to you guys. And uh, we're going to move on just after this break uh, to talk about the details. So about particular players, about particular teams, about, and when you may want to jump on or jump off certain assets. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So if you're looking to deploy your strategy, you're going to need a ticket to ride. And to do that, you're going to have to pick the best players that suit the strategy you're using. And uh, we think there may be two distinct groups of players and teams that you probably should be keeping an eye on. They probably relate to the teams who are playing in the blanks and relate to the teams who are playing in the doubles. And we will talk at the end as well about a group of teams who are moving from game week 32 to game week 33 uh, without a blank. Let's try to talk about the blank core first. And uh, Ben, there's eight teams, right, within this period. Yeah, so... The eight teams who will have games in both blank game weeks are Chelsea, Everton, West Ham, Liverpool, Leicester, Bournemouth, Burnley and Huddersfield. Some of those teams have good fixtures in the run-up to those and, and good fixtures in the blanks. Some of those teams, not so much. 
it's worth analyzing the fixtures and just looking at when they become good. Problem with Chelsea's current form is Leicester a bit of a trap, and can we rely on those players? I think with both Chelsea and Leicester, it has been a case that it's been a bit of a hard day's night for them in the recent weeks. They, they really have struggled. I think I mentioned earlier, Leicester, you know, in the last 10, one in five in the Premier League, they've lost four of the last five. I think there's been a lot of talk all season about the manager losing the dressing room. And I think some of the key assets, there are some interesting players that are definitely worth considering within that Leicester team. But some of the key assets, for instance, Fardy, he didn't even start the last game. Um, James Madison has been very much in and out of the team. He was a good pick at the beginning of the season. He's been very mercurial in the last 10 or so game weeks. And um, I mean, Harvey Barnes is quite an interesting pick at 5.5, but he's still finding his feet in the Premier League. He's very much, you know, and he's very much a non-earth gem at the moment, as in he hasn't scored yet. I think he nearly scores, but it was deemed an own goal. So I think in terms of the Leicester offence, I wouldn't really be looking at them. But I think there are definitely um, options in that defence. And it is a team I am um, considering bringing in, certainly, because their fixtures are great uh, up until uh, 33, really. You know, Crystal Palace, Brighton, Watford, Fulham, Burnley, next five. You can't get much better than that. You can still have a Leicester play easily in 32 and be quite comfortable when they play Bournemouth. And, and then 33, for that blank, they've got Huddersfield, which is a brilliant fixture. And, you know, so for people who perhaps use their wild card, Leicester are a great team to, to start thinking about buying their players now with the fixture shift. I think the defence is where the, the money's at and the, the position I'd recommend uh, players. I think for me, Pereira's perhaps the best option there. I think Chilwell and Maguire, the other options. And whilst Chilwell offers assists and Maguire's perhaps got the best goal threads of the, them all, I really like Pereira. I think he's got the, the best potential for goals and assists out of the bunch. I'll be getting Pereira this week, I think, because he's out of position. He seems to be starting every game. And then I'll, I'll wait and see with the other Leicester players, see how they do, because um, they're starting to drift into kind of obscurity in the table with nothing to play for. You can see that. And the longer this goes on, if they keep sliding, the more they, they might have nothing to play for. Yeah, I get that. And that, that happened last year as well. So remember, we were uh, identifying Riyad Mahrez as being a great player to own throughout the end of the season. And because and as it stood, they were on the beach, basically, for the last eight game weeks, <laughs> completely let down people who had invested in the, in the Leicester players. I mean, Pereira, Nick, you mentioned him. He's got the highest XGI over the last six game weeks amongst defenders with 2.09. Uh, which is his likely to be involved with either a goal or assist. The closest to him are 1.41 XGI and Kohler, and Robertson has 1.33, so quite a crazy uh, number there for Pereira. I like to link up with Vardy as well, actually, to the eye. Um, he was always looking for him, and uh, with Al Bryson, I think he's got long-term long injury as well. Pereira's going to be uh, shot up to AMR. Uh, as you mentioned, Chilwell is a good 5.0 alternative there. And uh, Maguire, and uh, obviously Schmeichel in goal. Uh, Madison, 19 chances created in the last six. Uh, he's second behind Pascal Gross in that measure. So he is creating chances, just not getting in the end product. And uh, Vardy himself, very frustrating player to own. Very low ceiling, will get you one goal per game. But he, he is a scavenger and you know he's going to have two attempts per game. And if you're looking at your live score, or your flash score, if he misses that shot, you probably unlikely to get anything from him. He's had 11 attempts, all in the box in the last six. Five big chances, but only scored two. Leicester-wise, I, I guess it's, it's looking like kind of Pereira, or if you can't afford him, like I'd chill well. If you're kind of looking to have a long-term buy, then Leicester are probably okay filler. Um, but as we spoke about before, you wouldn't be looking to move out, I don't know, Doherty or something for Pereira at this point. Liverpool perhaps are going to be the team that everybody's going to be building stuff around, right? So Salah uh, will be 
almost definitely the captain for everyone within game weeks 31, uh, a home to Fulham and game week 33 uh, for Southampton. Uh, what do you think about Liverpool, Ben? Well, I think everyone who's planning for game week 31 with three transfers will have three Liverpool players. I currently have two. I brought Mane in a couple of weeks ago and he's done really well. I've, I've got two easy transfers coming up in the next two games. I need to sort my defence out so I can get a Liverpool defender next week and I can get uh, Pereira this week. From 28 onwards, just jump on Liverpool player. That's an easy transfer. I've got Watford at home, then Everson away, Burnley at home, Fulham away. I would say two of their midfielders, like Salah and Mane, or maybe Firmino as well. I prefer that than with one defender. I think for me, obviously, Liverpool are the team that you're going to be tripling up on in game week 31, certainly, uh, because of that Fulham game. And before that, they've got Burnley in game week 30. So I think a Liverpool player will definitely be coming in for me. I've already got Mo Salah and Robertson, so I'm quite well set up in that regard. Though I think um, my preference for the third choice currently is actually um, Sadio Mane. I think there's a a lot of case um, for uh, tripling up and bringing him in. I think the the reason for that is um, there should be a lot of budget actually flying around in, in game week 31. So I'd like to use that budget as much as possible by bringing in premium assets where I can. And, and Sadio Mane has been um, really good in, in recent game weeks. Um, he, he's been on fire, actually, to a certain extent, starting to catch up with Salah. He's now on 12 goals, uh, which is the second joint highest goals for, for midfielders. And in terms of goal attempts, he's also uh, second behind Salah for shots inside the box with 48, um, which is second highest for midfielders. And he's uh, fifth for total goal attempts within midfielders with 58. So he, he's doing pretty well in terms of his uh, performances this season. And he, he would be the one that I bring in probably for um, probably, well, it would have to probably be someone like Son that unfortunately leaves the team um, to bring him in. So that's why I'm thinking maybe I'll leave it a little bit um, late, like in game week 30 or game week 31, because I also want to keep Son in my team for a little bit longer. Yeah, see, that's that's kind of one of the reasons I don't like the idea of um, using free transfers up until that point because you are going to be removing Son. And then in game week first two, you're probably going to want him back. If you're free hitting, I guess it makes more sense because then you can just rubbish your bench and focus all your resources onto that kind of first 11. But it still feels a bit unpalatable, doesn't it? And like stuff like you know selling Rashford as well still seems a bit unpalatable. Uh, Liverpool-wise, um, uh, Robbo is probably the key, the key man really at the back. Uh, high ownership and consistency there, uh, despite the high numbers. I mean, I don't own him, but I'm probably going to be looking to buy him in just for safety. To be honest, he's turned into one of those players like Alonso that you can kind of uh, with Van Dijk perhaps cover the defence, but covering the players is more important. Uh, Van Dijk and Robbo constantly are the two top scoring defenders in the game at the moment, and uh, you've, you've got TAA at uh, 5.2 um, coming back to fitness as well which is quite an interesting one that might fit uh, fill a few holes for people um, so for example if you don't like removing Son for Mane which I don't particularly like maybe moving Doherty on uh, when Wolves' fixtures turn at uh, game week 34 Trent Alexander-Arnold might be a good idea and having say Robbo and TAA and then Salah in the middle a few people are kind of pointing at West Ham, aren't they, Ben, as being a, a team that we may want to be considering uh, with the blanks in mind? Yeah, West Ham have got Huddersfield at home in, in game week 31. They've got Chelsea away in game week 33. Now, that normally seems like a tough fixture, but Chelsea have been shaky. I mean, we don't know how they'll, how they'll be come game week 33. But West Ham have also got some games against relegation-threatened teams coming up. Fulham at home, Newcastle at home in 29, and Cardiff away in 30. Newcastle and Cardiff might be difficult matches. They could be 
quite defensively solid, those teams, because they're fighting for survival. But Fulham at home this week definitely looks like a good, a good time to bring in a West Ham player if you want them for the blanks. Yeah, absolutely. I know you've been looking at Anatovic, haven't you, Nick? Yeah, I have been considering Anatovic. I think he actually is quite kindly priced um, in that forward bracket at 6.8. And I've been looking at connotations where I get rid of Isaac's success and, and bring in Anatovic at the expense of um, Alonso or um, Laporte. And I've got the budget to do that move, which is, is quite quite good. I think definitely this week would be a perfect week to consider a West Ham player. I've already got Fabianski in goal, so I'm set up there. But I would recommend definitely one of the um, attacking assets. I think Mikel Antonio uh, would be a really interesting pick, quite easily affordable for most. Um, Felipe Anderson, of course, as well. He was in a lot of people's teams earlier on in the season. And with Fulham at home, Huddersfield at home in game week 31. If you are free hitting in, in 31, then you're probably going to be tripling up on West Ham potentially alongside them. Um, alongside Liverpool for that game. If you're planning for the blanks or free hitting in 31, then yeah, West Ham are a team definitely to to be considering and there's, there's plenty of options there as I've outlined. Other teams as well, Bournemouth, I think it's worth talking about because they've got some nice fixtures though. They've also got Arsenal and Manchester City sandwiched in there between 28 and 29. Uh, from my perspective, I'm, I'm quite hopeful that David Brooks is fit because he's one of the players that I'm hoping to play in 31. So I'm really kind of reliant on him getting fit. So, uh, you know, he, he's one that's very cheap and he's been he's been absolutely brilliant when he's actually um, been fit this season. He's, he's been a real revelation for the club. But I think there are definitely other assets to consider. Josh King, Ryan Fraser and also Wilson if he's fit as well. Bournemouth are actually a bit of a godsend really for people like me like I feel fine about doing um perhaps an earlier um wild card and keeping my Wolves players up until game week uh, 30 31 because then <clears throat> the Bournemouth players who do I mean there are those two adverse fixtures in the in the first place so I'll be looking to avoid those but game week 31 Bournemouth have got Newcastle at home game week 33 they've got Burnley at home Interesting fact on Bournemouth, one, all of their players uh, do uh, translate very well into easy transfers from Wolves players. So Jimenez to King or Wilson is very easy to do. Jota to Fraser perhaps is very easy to do. At the back, uh, you know, you've got Klein and you've got Boric at 4.0, which is an absolutely ridiculous uh, price point if you need a cheap goalkeeper to be on the bench. Uh, Bournemouth won six out of ten of their opening games. They got their two draws and played only one top six team in which they lost to Chelsea. Um, so uh, quite a good rate of return. And their last ten game weeks mirrors that opening ten. So they've only got one top six team in the last ten. Uh, which is definitely worth keeping in mind. They do provide a very, very good bridge uh, from Wolves. I think they are. Another team that perhaps, is, as with Leicester, we're going to have to be watching uh, in terms of their motivation at the end of the year. But you have to hope that their last 10 mirror the first 10, I suppose. Um, they're just so It's just so useful, especially having Boric at 4.0. That's uh, very, very good indeed. Assess how the Bournemouth players do away at Huddersfield in game week 30 and then say if, if Josh King scores a few goals, uh, the Norwegian would come into my team in game week 31 for Newcastle at home. And then I might take a hit to get a couple of bonus attackers in game week 31 uh, for Newcastle at home. And then they play Burnley at home in game week 33. So they've got some really good home games in the two blank game weeks. So I think I'll just wait and see. Chelsea um, are definitely worth just voicing over, aren't they? As you mentioned, Ben, they are in a bit of a mess at the moment. The manager's looking like he's uh, on the way out, but who knows? It could be an OGS effect 
uh, uh, Frank Lampard could come in. Maybe even Mourinho would come in. I don't even I don't know about that. Um, but that could uh, re-energize uh, that team. And you know, who knows with Golo Kante actually playing in defensive midfield in his in his favorite <laughs> position rather than Jorginho. Who knows what that team could accomplish? Um, Nick, are you looking at Chelsea players? Well, I've got a few questions in regards to Chelsea players. I think, yeah, Sarri definitely looks like a manager that's that's on his way out. And that might be to the added benefit of our FPL um, teams. I mean, he's he certainly looked in a bad way. But I just want to hold his hand and say, you know, stop doing Kovacic to Barkley or Barkley to Kovacic every single match because it is clearly not working. And he seems to have lost the dressing room and, and has, etc. But if he does... Um, if he does go, it actually um, might be to the benefit of the one of the, one of the men that I've got a real question on at the moment, um, and that's, that's Marcus Alonso because he's still in my team, and I could get rid of him this game week, or I could get rid of Laporte. But the the real good thing about Chelsea after this game week is that they're in a, a very unique situation, as in they don't have a blank on thirty one um, or thirty three, but they also have a double in in thirty two. So they're definitely a team that if you don't have your wild cards, you after training seven, you should be looking to to get their players in because of those, because of that double game week, which could even potentially be Cardiff Brighton, which you know is a really good opportunity, perhaps for a triple captain chip if if Chelsea are looking in form. And obviously, there's there's Hazard out there. Higuain in, um, still seems like a bit of a work in progress. He's adapting to the Premier League, but definitely a player worth considering. I think with with Alonso. I just can't decide, though, to be honest, whether I keep him and just hold him and just say, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to say to him, you know, he keeps hitting the post so often. I'm just saying, please, please, Mr. Postman, just to score the goal at some point and get me some points. I know you've, you've got a similar situation with Leroy Sarnet at the moment, haven't you, Tom? You're thinking, what the hell's going on with this guy? Do I sell him or or what? And I'm, I'm thinking maybe I just hold him. No one probably owns him as an active team anymore. But, yeah. you know, he's, he's about. But I think in the defence, if you were considering a defence, Defender, I wouldn't consider Alonso because the Emerson situation. I mean, David Luiz would be the, the best pick of the bunch. Yeah, Sideshow like Bob, the most creative uh, defender in that uh, Chelsea team. Those uh, long, uh, long balls over the top are actually very, very good. Finally, uh, I guess there's Burnley to talk about, um, a team who are. Uh, Always punching above their weight, uh, perhaps been forgotten a little bit after a bit of a uh, a bit of a, a difficult period, but definitely a team who are coming back into uh, into form. And there are, there are a few options there. I mean, they've got Tottenham this week, uh, which is probably not the best uh, for people who are considering buying a Burnley player. In game week thirty one, uh, they've got Leicester at home. In game week thirty three, they've got Bournemouth away. And after Liverpool in game week thirty, they've got four um, fairly decent games, including three home games: so Leicester, Wolves, and Cardiff all at home. Um, so they could be a, a, a very good kind of filler team. So it's like Ashley Barnes, who's by far the best Burnley attacker to own. You look, if you look at their last six game weeks, he's scored four goals and he's even underperforming his XG total. So he's a good player to, to own. I would be looking to get him in game week 29 for Crystal Palace at home and then obviously bench him for Liverpool away, but in 30. Then, then they've got Leicester at home in game week 31. And you kind of think that's a really good fixture for Burnley. And then they've got another mid-table team in game week 33 against Bournemouth. That could be another fixture that they'll be well in. So the decision for me will be in game week 29, do I go for a Higuain maybe? Or do I go for Barnes? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Well, what a comparison that is. Yeah, I mean, Barnes is statting like crazy for a strike his price you mentioned. He's had as many big chances in the last six 
as Kun Aguero. He's had nine. He's only actually scored one. And he's had more pen box touches than the likes of uh, Marcus Rashford and Aubameyang. Fun fact, uh, Westwood has created a lot of those chances. He's created five big chances in the last six, which is top for midfielders. And I'm actually playing him this week, Nick, <laughs> against Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Hoping he'll do something. And there's also the likes of uh, Taylor at the back, uh, 4.4, who may be a cheap route into their defence. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? On um, to the teams who are going to be central to our double game week squads. And uh, Brighton, as you have mentioned, actually do have a very good looking double game week alongside uh, Chelsea. They've got Southampton and Cardiff. Uh, they they need to have those games at least. They've got an away game against Wolves somewhere. They've got an away game against, against Chelsea to fit in somewhere. But if there's a Southampton and Cardiff double game week, then suddenly that's looking very, very juicy. And you've got the likes of, you know, Pascal Gross, who's actually created the most chance over the last six um, compared to any other midfielder, um, just, cost, just costing just 6.7. And of course, the talisman hero of ours. Uh, Brighton-wise, uh, I guess, you know, Matt Ryan as well, 4.4. And with Lacadia's injury, uh, the pensioner Glenn Murray um, is, is looking of interest to people. I mean, Nick, you mentioned that you might, for lols, as you put it, be triple casting a, a Brighton player. Yeah, I mean, we've had a joke about it, and I'm only half joking because I think the other um, the other season, obviously, you'll remember I captained Ben Gibson in a double game week, didn't I, Tom? And uh, I think I got like an 18 point return from him or something like that, which was pretty decent. Yeah. So um, you know, there is a potential in there, and I think it depends, obviously, how the fixtures fall and, and what works out. Um, but I think the main man actually that I'm quite keen on in terms of the Brighton team, and there's not many of them, but the, the one I particularly like is uh, is Shane Duffy, actually. Um, so he's actually, um, he's second um, amongst all defenders for goal attempts. Um, only Doherty is uh, behind him and and he's netted a few as well. So he's been, uh, he's been pretty good in that defence. He, he's nailed on. We know he's a stalwart of the team. Duffy actually has five goals to his name, which is pretty ridiculous for defenders this season. So, you know, why, why not bring him in? I think he's definitely um, a player that I will be bringing in on my wild card. I probably won't be too heavily investing in, in the Brighton team, despite the fact that they've got this extra double. But they're definitely a team that I think um, you, ne- you need to look at and seriously consider. So I think you said the, the, the Cardiff game might be moved to 36 or 34 potentially. So it could be a Bournemouth Cardiff or a Newcastle Cardiff, which would yeah. be a potential triple captain option. That's it, yeah. And 37 could also be a spot for that. Yeah, the logical thing to do would be to move Brighton Chelsea to game 32. And that like solves a lot of potential problems later because moving the Cardiff versus Brighton game to a Champions League night isn't going to cause anyone any problems. Um, but, I mean, they play Arsenal in 37, so that, that wouldn't be a great great night for it. And you'd hope that it would be moved to game week 36 to give Brighton a, a double of potentially Cardiff and Newcastle. Just wait for news on that. Um, obviously, they've got a blank coming up now and then an away trip to Leicester. Hopefully, we'll get news about this double game week 32 fixture. And then you can maybe, if, if you were free transferring to, to set up the game week 32, you could maybe get a Brighton player for their home game against Huddersfield in 29, because that's like the most attractive fixture there is really a home game against Huddersfield. Right. So the the big teams then uh, that we're going to be focusing on the doubles are obviously well the usual suspects, I suppose, to some extent. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, Ben Man City play two perhaps potentially suspect defences in game week 32. We think at the moment it's looking like Fulham and the Manchester derby away is going to be uh, what's going to be going down there, and it, it might be the case that you know. 
Raheem Sterling or Aguero could be the guys that um, do get awarded that chip for those who still have it. Um, Man City-wise, I mean, what are our views there? I mean, Nick, can you ever trust Man City and can you ever trust Pep uh, within a double game week uh, as a sign owner in the last one? I was a Sane owner, but I wasn't a Sane captain or triple captain. And I feel really sorry for those guys, to be honest. Some people looking at that triple captain Sane and just, you know, screaming blue murder because that was, that was horrendous. Um, Sterling um, is the guy that I own. Sane went out um, straight away from my team, but Sterling is the guy who I own still. And I'm probably going to hold him, to be honest, for the next few game weeks, I think. Because um, I think it is still worth holding those Manchester City players Despite the blank thirty-one for those games against West Ham, Bournemouth, Watford, you, you're going to want to, you're going to want, you know, a player in there. And we, we know that Manchester City have been brilliant this season. You know, they've been the most, you know, top for goal attempts out of all the teams this season. And and Sterling's right up there in terms of the underlying stats. He, he's joint second top scorer for midfielders alongside uh, Manny and Hazard, but he's also top for penalty box touches out of all the midfielders with 216. Um, and uh, there is that risk with him that he's not going to play. But I think for, for the moment, I will be I will be holding him. I think he's, um, he's potentially, he's one of their re- real key assets, though Pep has gone out into the media and said that he wishes that he'd given Riyad Mahrez more game time and he regrets not giving him more game time. And you wonder if those comments are potentially going to threaten um, Sterling's minutes to a certain extent. But I think, um, I think actually perhaps the best City asset to, to own at this moment in time is, is Aguero over Sterling. With that Jesus injury, he seems to be nailed on for at least the, the next few game weeks. Um, in terms of minutes per chance, it's one every 20 minutes, which is top for all players. Um, and he's now got his goal tally up to 17 after those hat-tricks. And, and to go without, it's at your peril to a certain extent. You could easily see more goals, more hat-tricks for him in, in between 28 and 30. And, you know, when we reached a when we reach the actual double game weeks and we're wild carding, um, you know, they've got Fulham potentially as part of that double game week for 32. So he is a real captain or triple captain option if they're playing Fulham as one of their games and and also Manchester United. Yeah, uh, the thing that we have to really bear in mind there is, is the Champions League and um, what happens with the Schalke. Uh, obviously, we're all assuming they're going to beat Schalke, uh, but who they join against after is going to be really, really important because if there are uh, games going on in the Champions League, we, we may end up seeing either some sort of sense of a league team versus a Champions League team. You know, the likes of Jesus, uh, uh, Mares being wheeled out in the league and Cuneguero and uh, and Sterling starting in the Champions League. I don't think it's ever going to be cut as, as cut and dried as that, but it's always, always worth bearing in mind, especially if you were a Sane owner in the last double game week, what Pep can do to your team. I mean, based on that, I, it's worth mentioning that I'm probably going to be keeping Sane at this point, <laughs> stupidly enough. Like, um, I mean, he's down to 9.5 now. Obviously, for whatever reason, ended up on the naughty step for the last couple of games. I, I don't know, probably stole Pep's lunch or something. But... He does have a decent record uh, over the course of this season if he is playing and he is in form. Um, and I think that it's probably not true to say he's not going to come into form again or he's never going to play again throughout the course of the remainder of the season. Uh, West Ham, Bournemouth and Watford, um, if you are struggling for money and you can't afford Sterling and Aguero, having having uh, uh, Sane and Aguero might actually work pretty well. Um, but yeah, City, it's always going to be the case of you, you know what you're signing up for if you get more than one of them and you know that at any point you can end up with 
Juan Bissaka and Hoiberg on the pitch as opposed to your high rolling uh, Kun Sterling double up. Uh, what do you think about City, Ben? Are they going to be a team that can be figuring highly for you? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm free hitting in game week 32. I'll almost certainly get Aguero because it's the international break before game week 32. Aguero doesn't play international football anymore. And then an easy semi final, uh, FA Cup semi final against Swansea in the weekend after game week 32. Look at his minutes in the FA Cup. Third round, not in squad. Fourth round, a 15 minute cameo. Fifth round, not in squad. So it looks like Pep is using the FA Cup to rest Aguero. So I would, I'd be looking to get Aguero on the three hit team in game week 32. Uh, there's a chance that the postponed fixtures like, are organised in a different way, like an outside chance that maybe the Manchester Derby gets moved to 35. And that could mean Man City's potential bank against Cardiff is brought forward to 32 instead. And that would create, that would create a, a dream double game. We just don't know about that yet. But. I think he also is going for the golden boot, isn't he? So I think Aguero is going to want to play in the Premier League every chance he gets. And he, he's definitely made that starting berth his own and um, Jesus his second choice. And I think it's also going to go right to the wire in terms of City versus Liverpool for the title. So I think Pep, you know, will rotate in the league at his peril, which I think will aid the likes of Sterling and, and Aguero, though if it is the likes of Fulham or Cardiff, he might think, oh, OK, this is a chance to play the second string because he's so confident in the win. But, you know, that's his own risk to a certain extent. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I guess kind of staying in Manchester, uh, Man United have got um, potentially Watford and maybe the Manchester Derby in 32. And they've got perhaps Everton and Wolves as the double game week in 35. Um, a lot of people, I think, if you are going to be wildcarding earlier on, you're going to have to make a choice in terms of Rashford. Um, he's going to be one who people are going to be thinking, oh, there could be a bit of a spot there to move him on to, to somebody else or move him down to make money to afford a better player in midfield, for example. I'm guessing Pogba's going to be the one that we're going to be keeping hold of just because, I mean, for example, the last six game weeks, he's top for attempts month, but he's the guy who that team's built around. And I can't really see him missing a game, but you know, maybe with Rashford, you might have some sort of justification for moving him, but I, I don't think there is one really because he is in form and the injuries mean that he's going to be playing, albeit on the wing. My Man United players are like key members of my team over the next few weeks and There'll be players that I'll be keeping up until game week 30 and then deciding to want to sell in game week 31, depending on how much they've risen and how much other players have risen. Crystal Palace away is quite difficult in 28, but Southampton at home in 29 is easy. And then Arsenal away is normally quite a high-scoring match and then Man United won last year. Yeah, I'm going to be keeping Ogba and Ashford. And then I'll have them in that three-hit team in game week 32. That's one reason that yeah, we, I, want, I want to keep Rashford and Pogba because I'm buying them straight back in the double game weeks. They've already got their two postponed fixtures. We've talked about Wolves against Man United being postponed. So we know that they'll get double game weeks in 32 and 35. And whichever way that they're ordered in, it looks like pretty decent double game week fixtures. Like not amazing fixtures, but you would want two or three Man United players in those double game weeks, I think. For me, with with Pogba and Rashford, and I think he's in a lot of people's teams, Pogba, for me, remains that key asset who I'm probably going to be holding um, through the blanks. I think, I mean, he's just been brilliant this season. As we know, he's 41 shots on target. It was only one less than um, Salah. And um, his minutes per chance is actually higher than Salah now as well, 24.4 compared to Salah's 25.4. I've just got so much invested in uh, Pogba that I'm just going to have to carry him because I'm going to want him in my wild card 
So 0.8 million, I can't afford to lose that. With Rashford, I was a bit late for that train, actually. So I'm quite happy to sell him. I think I've only got about 0.2 million's worth of profit. So nothing at all, really. And um, it actually works out quite um, well. We're sort of transfer from Rashford to King in, in game week 30. So when Manchester United play Arsenal, you know, that's when Bournemouth's fixtures, like I mentioned, I think earlier in the pod, you know, that's a key sort of window for when I'm doing my transfers. It's when Wolves' fixtures get harder. It's when Manchester United's fixtures get harder. And I can bring in a Bournemouth player like Josh King, who's then got Huddersfield and, and Newcastle for, for Rashford um, at that particular moment in time. Obviously, there's a few other teams worth uh, briefly mentioning. Spurs, I think, who comes to Son, obviously, is you know, a lot of our teams, but he's he's the main man in their team. But there are other interesting differentials, perhaps for the wild card. Harry, Harry Kane's not a player you'd bring in right now, but come game week 32, um, he could easily have a, a renaissance in form and, and be a player you're really considering. Though it often, it also depends on how Brighton progress in the FA Cup because they've got that tough fixture against Millwall. So he might not necessarily even have that double in 35. And, and then there's Wolves, who are a team that we've got a lot of, um, a lot of us also um, own currently. And we're kind of figuring out what to do with these assets, whether we keep them or sell them. Uh, I think Doherty, for me, is probably a player I'm going to be personally benching um, because of the value tied up um, in him as well. So he's probably going to stand on the bench. Wolves fixtures aren't particularly um, good after game week 30, even though they've got the doubles. They've got some tough games against the likes of Arsenal, Manchester United and Liverpool still to come in the season. So not necessarily a team that we're going to be focusing on too heavily. No, definitely not. I guess with with, with Doherty, it's what four four point four. We both bought him at. So if you sell him, you're, you're waving goodbye to him basically for the rest of the season because there's no way you're going to be reinvesting in that guy. And um, after kind of spending not very much on him, the final things to talk about uh the free the group of three uh, teams who are a bit of a godsend to those people who are going to be wild carding early. They they go from game week thirty two to thirty three uh, without a blank. Uh, which is quite good. Um, so you've got the likes of Chelsea, who we've mentioned and spoken about a fair bit. Uh, Southampton, you've got obviously Redmond, and you've got your man Begnarak, um, who's the linchpin of many a uh, plan. And uh, Arsenal, uh, Bamiang and Lacazette, of course, being of interest there. Yeah, Southampton, a double game week 32 fixtures could be Brighton away and Watford away. Uh, Brighton away is difficult, but Watford could have an FA Cup final, a semi-final to prepare for, so that could be a game that they'd look to attack. But then their fixture in the blank is Liverpool at home. So although they have three fixtures, two of them are quite difficult. Arsenal probably have Newcastle at home and Wolves away in game week 32, and then Everton away in 33. And the same might be the, the case with the Wolves. Like if they've got a semi-final to prepare for, they might, if they beat my United, then that game could be a good game for Arsenal. I would favour Arsenal players. They've got great home games in these next two weeks there. So Aubameyang is going to be a key player, hopefully. I think for myself, um, I don't have any Arsenal Southampton players at the moment, but those uh, teams really sort of lend themselves well to the game week 32 free hit. And that will be the only time I really consider them because if I free hit in 32 and then I wildcard in 34, I'm not going to be looking at them for... 35 because they definitely don't have a double but in 32 I could easily triple up on Arsenal if I wanted to because I think they do have some of the best fixtures of all the bunch they've got Newcastle and Wolves which um, you know I'd be looking at the likes of class in action defence who's, who's one of their sort of key defenders definitely one of the most attacking very offensive defender um, could easily uh, get a goal and hopefully not an own goal but um, I think Lacazette and Aubameyang as well really worth considering on that free hit in 32 and in the Southampton um, you know, I might put Bednarek in there um, on a free hit, but he might 
he might end up on the bench. I don't know, depending on my setup, because he's very cheap. Yeah, definitely. I think if you are, um, as I mentioned, without a wild card at that point, it might be a good idea to look at those three teams and have a player or two or three of those to help you absorb the impact of the game week 33 blank. Right, we've got a lot of stuff. we've got a lot of stuff now. Um, let's uh, take a break there and move on to the Q and A um, after this. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's it's time for our Q and A section. So um, yeah, we're not going to do any sort of team specific um, commentary uh, because I think we covered the teams quite in depth. Um, to this extent, but you know, uh, Ben's got some uh, brilliant spreadsheets that uh, I know that he wants to talk about briefly as well. Yeah, I've obviously got the, the big public calendar spreadsheet, which shows there's lots of pages on that showing the fixtures, the blank and double game weeks, the percentage chances of there being blanks in game week 31. There's, there's about 10 pages on that spreadsheet so showing all kinds of things. But I've also got this transfer planner that I made over the summer spent ages coming up with it um and uh you can either buy a copy from me or get one for free if you're a member of fantasy football hub and it's quite an advanced planner it shows the schedule the schedule is updated when blanks and double games are confirmed uh, it lets you plan your transfers with uh, taking into account price changes so you can see if a player rises in price how that affects your budget in future game weeks um yeah pri- the price by- price lists are imported from the website so they're always accurate on this on this transfer planner but there's info about that on uh, on my twitter page but yeah i would encourage you to use my three tools my big um public calendar if you want to help with planning yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we've both got one for our membership of Fans Football Hub and it's, um, yeah, it, it's, it's just so useful. It does take a, a couple of minutes to get your head around it, um, but definitely it's something that's really helped us to visualise what's going to happen over the next few weeks and obviously you apply your own contents and kind of make it work. Um, definitely worth checking out if you're not too sure or you definitely want a bit of help to navigate this most difficult of time periods. So on to the questions then. Thank you for all the questions this week. A few things we've already covered. So thanks for the questions on the free hit from Rich Nyquist and Death Star and many others. Uh, when the, When's the best time to play it? The answer is we just it's completely up to you and your judgment, I'm afraid. And thanks very much as well uh, to Nick Liebengood, uh, who asked about uh, Chelsea players. And we obviously we've just covered that too. Um, the first question to speak actually is about the free hit chip to some extent. Uh, FPL Stag, our friend who uh, kindly filled in for me on the last podcast, uh, has come to us and said, is there any merit in actually playing the free hit chip this week uh, when many have four, maybe five assets in the United slash Liverpool matchup? Quite an interesting one, potentially, especially, you know, you've got West Ham against Fulham, for example. Um, you can load up on them, feasibly hope to get something good out of that. Uh, Arsenal against the Southampton, Helvold, Bamiyang, Lacazette and Kolasinac, perhaps. And Newcastle, your team, Ben, against Huddersfield, Almiron and Rondon and Lascelles, maybe. Is there any advantage that we can see from playing it this week or should you just be muddling through and hoping for the best? Uh, Nick, what do you think about this? I don't think it's the best op- uh, best opportunity to use that um, free hit chip. I think if you find yourself in like an unprepared scenario where you're sort of looking at your team, you've got, you've got Triple City perhaps or Chelsea and Everton players and you're, you're, you're not prepared and you're thinking, actually, I've only got five men um, currently, then maybe it would be a good opportunity. But I don't actually think I want to go without... Um, Salah or Pogba this week even though they're 
you know, Liverpool are playing Manchester United. I think these guys will still be in my team, even if I was free hitting. Um, we we saw, um, you know, those that watched the FA Cup saw how Pogba opens up Chelsea and he looks like such a dominant force in recent weeks. You know, he, he's a must-own, essentially. And the same with Salah. Salah has the potential to haul um, in any, any single game week. And I'd even go as far as say that they're captaincy options this game week as well. So I wouldn't, Personally, go without those guys. I think, um, you know, so that's two players out of that United-Liverpool matchup that I still consider must-own. So whilst you could triple up on West Ham, uh, you know, triple up even in Newcastle, you know, it doesn't, doesn't really seem like the best way to, to be pre-hitting. Yeah, definitely. It's so valuable. It's almost the most valuable chip when you're uh, approaching the blank and double game weeks. I posted a thread uh, last month about the transitions between the blanks and doubles. And with a, a free hit chip, you can eliminate two transitions, so to speak. Like if you free hit in double game week 32, then you don't have to worry about those transitions between the blanks either side. So yeah. it's not really worth using just on a single game week or a mini blank game week with, with tough fixtures, I don't think. Yeah, no, I think we probably agree with that. And that segues nicely onto the next thing, uh, which is from Chris Kish, but a lot of people have kind of asked a similar sort of question. Capil, for example, asked them very similar. Is it better to do well in a blank or a double? Uh, where does the greatest opportunity Capil ask uh, lie for gaining advantage on others? There's more, there's more points available on the double game, isn't there? It's more explosive. You get the really high scores with the chips being played, the triple captain, the bench boost. So if you can plan for the double game as well and maybe struggle along in the blanks, then that might be not, uh, might be not much of a problem. Um, like the differentials in the double game weeks would be higher scoring because there's a bigger player pool available to pick from. Um, so having fewer players in the blanks isn't such an issue really as long as you've got the key men then yeah just focus on that yeah I think for me the double is uh, where the greatest glory is because you know there's the potential for the highest point return it's where you're going to be playing your chips like the bench boost you know there's even the potential for a 200 point return which I know is extremely rare but not impossible and if you're in a cash mini league for instance where there's a prize for the best score of the season um, you could certainly achieve some really high scores so that, that's where the glory is and you know, the blanks you know there's there's a potential to get one up on your rivals that aren't prepared. And I've always enjoyed the blanks for that reason that you can, you know, you might be fighting with someone who's less engaged and in a mini league and, you know, they're suddenly not prepared for that 31 year. You've got a team of 11 players. And that's always quite exciting to, to be in that situation, but it's, it's the doubles where the, the real glory is in terms of points and, and returns and uh, where you use your chips as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess what's interesting here is that one of the key rejoinders for why you wouldn't play your free hit in game week 31, for example, is that because, as we've just mentioned, there's a limited player pool, you're basically free hitting to get the same players that people who have planned their transfers for game week 31 have got. Um, And obviously last year with the example of uh, Salah versus Watford means that a lot of people are thinking, well, why would you free hit in game week 31? Because you're going to have Salah probably. He is going to have your captaincy. Does that diminish the worry? And similarly for game week 33, like to some extent I'm less worried about game week 33 and the impact that's going to have because I'm going to have Salah captain. Everyone else is going to have Salah captain. I'm going to have triple Liverpool. Everyone else is going to have triple Liverpool. Um, Like, do you think that that's true? Like, do you think that, Really, the worry about the blanks is being overstated to some extent. I mean, Ben, you've said a few times it's very easy to plan your transfers. So is having one or two players down really that much of a big deal? 
Well, in, in game week 31, everyone's going to find that easier to plan for. Messi will have, will have the same key players with three Liverpool plus Pereira, uh, plus the Bournemouth players by then. So the people who have planned for game week 31 with three transfers will have a pretty similar team to the people who are free hitting, like you just said. Um, in game week 33, it might be a bit different. The, the player pool could be expanded a bit, say, if, if Tottenham had a fixture in that week. If, if Brighton get knocked out of the FA Cup, then Tottenham will play Brighton. So that's maybe one reason to leave Son on the bench in, um, if you're, if you're uh, planning for the blanks using free transfers. You could leave Son on the bench in game week 31, um, hope that Tottenham lose, and then you've got Son with a fixture, a really nice home fixture in game week 33. Yeah, there'll obviously be more fixtures in game week 33, but it'll be harder to plan for. So it's it's a balance, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's always difficult, isn't it? Without knowing all the full facts, like if you were like the reason why I'm probably going to slightly renege on what I said as I said earlier on on my early idea of wild carding after on Friday night is because I don't really know <laughs> which which teams are playing when, and uh, wild carding blind doesn't seem like the best idea. Even even though you do know that you know this team are definitely going to have double game week. It, might mean that you're going to slightly tweak things because someone's got a better double game week. Yeah, information is is key in FPL this part of the season. So if you can make your decisions after the information is, is released, they're going to be better decisions than if you're trying to commit to a strategy kind of blind or yeah. commit to bringing in players on the assumption of what they might have. Yeah, and I guess to some extent you are going to get sorry to use the word, but lucky if you do wildcard early and it all works out very well. Uh, I'm, as you can probably hear, I'm faltering a little bit and I'm wondering whether actually I plan for game week 31 now and a wildcard in game week 33 or something like that instead. Uh, and- yeah, I'd encourage you to use my copy of the transfer planner sheet and just come up with a plan for game week 31 <laughs> and, and see if it looks good. I mean... You're being influenced, aren't you, here, Tom? I can hear you saying, help, oh. I need somebody, and, and Ben's here answering your, your problems. Oh, no, he's creating more problems, Nick, uh, but, but that's that's just the way it is. Yeah, I'll just say, be, be cautious with your transfers. Up to game week 30, aim to save two free transfers for 31, and then maybe go crazy with hits in game week 31 if, if you want to, depending on how much value you've got locked up. The issue with team value is just going to affect your wildcard team in game week 34. So... Just gonna have to judge for yourself. Like selling someone and then buying them back for 0.2 more might not be much of an issue. Just it might mean you can get a different player from a cheap team in game week 34. Oh well, that that kind of brings us to our final question, which is from Tacoma Toffee, who asks, "What is the minimum number of blankers we can go with?" And I think that that definitely keys into that point there because at the end of the day, you've got to be really thinking what's the balance between having those Bournemouth, Leicester and Liverpool and Burnley assets um, and having players who are going to maximise what you're going to get in game weeks, uh, in game weeks 32 and 35. And just to kind of put my answer forward quickly, um, I'm going to be looking at probably about seven blankers, uh, something like that. If I do free hit in game week 31 and play game week 33 and try to model through it, and try to put out nine players because I, if I'm bench boosting in 32, I'm going to want to maximise as many doublers as possible. Um, it's just something you can come up with on your own. But I reckon, I don't know, maybe having 
getting out a team a team of seven minimum is probably going to be okay in the blanks um if as long as you have the triple liverpool in in involved you just have to hope that there isn't another player who everyone owns that goes absolutely crazy all well and good you know if there's basuma or nick's favorite jacan bash absolutely boshing it but if no one owns him then it doesn't really matter does it um what do you think nick what's the minimum that you can really get away with I think, yeah, probably around seven or eight, especially for game week 33, where there's going to be loads of people that aren't prepped at all for this game week or haven't, you know, identified optimum strategies. And I I think you'll be, I think that's fine to have seven or eight players. Though you can always just use some hits. As as we've said about the minus four, minus two, irrationality, you know, just, just bring in some players and, and see how they perform, but just don't get carried away. As long as you're covering those key assets, as long as you've got your triple Liverpool, which we continue to talk about, and, you know, you, you look at whoever's playing Huddersfield in the blank as well and, and consider them, uh, then uh, then you should be set. And uh, don't worry too much if you, you're only fielding one or two defenders yeah, I'd agree. I mean, if you go for the really aggressive option of wildcarding to set up a, a, ben- a bench boost in game week 32, then you're obviously going to find it difficult to feel a strong 11 in, or a strong team at all in game week 33. But you might get so much advantage from the bench boost in game week 32 with the good teams that it won't really matter. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so, yeah, I think we're, we're going to wrap up here anyway. And just to say um, thank you all for listening. Um, we are Who Got This Is. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. Our website is whogotthisis.com. If you want to join our league, the main league is 516-441. Uh, thanks, Ben, for your time. Uh, much appreciated that you coming onto the pod and, and talking through the blanks and double game weeks with us. Yep, thanks for having me and uh, good luck for the rest of the season with navigating the blanks and doubles. Yeah, uh, Ben can be found on Twitter if for whatever reason you don't follow him at Ben Krellin and I'm sure he will welcome wholeheartedly all DMs regarding his uh, spreadsheet and just uh, generally uh, actually don't, don't do that. I'm sure he's going to, uh, I'm sure he needs some sleep at some point. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, busy, very busy time of year and we uh, massively appreciate you coming on. Um, we'll be back on YouTube this week on Sunday evening for a third WGT Q&A due to the quick nature of Game Weeks 27 to 29, which are played over the course of one calendar week. Um, I'll whack that into a podcast format. We'll be joined for that by Will from Fans Football Hub, who uh, Ben and us are a part of. Um, so really looking forward to that. Uh, good to get on with Will. And um, apart from that, we hope this assisted you to find some sort of light through the dark tunnel of the double game weeks and blanks. We need to call it something, don't we? The blankles. <laughs> the, the, the do blanks no it's called the blankles aren't they sounds um, like the one balls doesn't it <laughs> yeah, we'll be back the week after next with a proper podcast uh, for now goodbye thanks guys goodbye bye oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist sports social podcast network